Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you tonight from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. To brothers and sisters in Christ, our Lord said to Noah, Take two of every unclean animal, put them in the ark. Take some for sacrifice, too. Seven in number. But no fish. It's not what you think. It's not that they don't need saving because, you know, fish and ocean. They're on the other team. They have not the breath of life. And only that which has the breath of life can come in the ark. See, the fish are on the side that's killing everything. We lose sight of that. Because we tell this story almost exclusively to children in the form of cute cartoon animals that march side by side up the ramp. And we sort of lose what's actually happening here. This is the deadliest thing that has ever happened to us as a species. This is the expression of the wrath of God over evil and unbelief found in drowning a planet. This is so horrifying to actually think about that we would rather not, so we'll just make it a nursery rhyme for children and take it every bit that seriously. But this is what water does. It kills. We need it to live, but it's death. I mean, even today, one of the most dangerous jobs is deep-sea fishermen. With all our technology, we still die in the water. In the Bible, water's almost always a death thing. From the storms that Jesus needs to calm because the disciples are afraid their boat's going to sink and they will perish. To him walking across the waters themselves that pull Peter under to drown. To the fish that swallows up Jonah and buries him for three days and three nights. To Moses parting a Red Sea that drowned an entire army. To here. The ark. The only thing that didn't die when everything else did. That's what water does. Is scary because as much as we need it, as much as we're tied to it, water can kill you very casually. Go throughout the whole Bible. Shows up to kill way more than it shows up to make alive, even in baptism. Baptism is a drowning before it can ever be a resurrection. That's where the Baptists, our cousins, don't really get it. They don't really see a use for that kind of baptism. They figure by the time they get to baptism, by the time they have made that choice for their Lord, they're done with the death. Baptism must only be a pledge for a new life, an act of obedience, and a pledge allegiance to the Jesus. But Lutherans can't help but see how ugly the waters really are. Old Adam drowns in them. Baptism unites you to Jesus' death. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. I died when I was 19 in a little font of water, cereal bowls worth. That's really all it really takes to kill a person, though. I guess the cartoon arc that I had over my kids' cribs wasn't so bad. It's cuter anyway. It's easier. The only time water would ever make alive is when Jesus steps on it. He walks across it, reaches down into it, and pulls Peter out of it. 
He rips it apart that Moses and the Israelites can walk forward. He spits Jonah back out to preach life to Nineveh. And he delivers Noah and his family, eight souls and all. We're still kind of afraid to believe this one, though, because it's weird and because it's deadly and because we're sinful and weak in faith. And we would rather just sort of keep it in the hands of cartoon children because I can deal with cartoons rather than catastrophe. Especially catastrophe, I'm nervous to even try and prove that it happened in the first place. There are no fish in the ark, though. That's why. It's not because, you know, fish swim. It's because they're on that team, the death team, the no breath of life in them team. And the ark, that's about life. The ark is where God separated land from water, in which God preserved believing Noah and his family, eight souls in all, in mercy. But that means that when Jesus finally does get around to the fish, that's got to be something more. To deal with the fish, we actually need our God because he likes them. They show up everywhere in the Gospels. That great fish that swallowed our Jonah preacher whole. The five loaves and two fish that Jesus fed 5,000. Peter is a fisherman. And he hauls up so many in front of the Lord, his boat almost sinks. Jesus eats fish right after the resurrection with the disciples. He reaches down into the waters of death and he pulls out food. He reaches down into death and he pulls out sustenance. He pulls out life. Every species that has the breath of life is welcome under the ark, but Jesus reaches down into death that you would eat. Jesus reaches down into death that you would live. Just like he reached down into the tomb to pull you right back out of it. He dove down into the depths to carry Noah out of this flood. And they spent the Holy Spirit to baptize you into the very cross that would burst the tomb apart. This is what he reminds us when he breaks bread with fish. Fish are a meal that is a victory over death. Fish are a meal that can only exist where death has been conquered. And so Christ, who is crucified, he is risen. He is risen indeed. But that's not enough. You will rise too. That's what matters. God uses death to bring about life. God grabs hold of everything that should kill us, everything that sin has broken, and he uses it to save. Noah was carried through water to a world not wrecked by sin and unbelief. That baptism which killed you made you alive. And there's fish, too. Fish that come from death itself to sustain us. For man was given dominion even over the fish of the sea, along with the birds of the air. God never just intended us to be lords of life. He intended us to conquer death from the very beginning when he spoke to Adam and Eve. Christ has destroyed death. He has robbed it of his power. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.